Well, hello, hello again, everyone. This is uh, Video Games to the Max. We are doing a somewhat of a reboot with this, uh, with a new with a new co-host or a new host slash member, a returning member at that. Uh, this is Mark Morrison. I've been here for a while. The uh, returning person is Daniel Anderson. Hello. It's been a while since I've been able to do this regularly, so I'm looking forward to it. Yep. See how long this one lasts. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sean had to bow out for work reasons as well as myriad of personal reasons that I'm not going to get into. So, yeah, the format's going to be largely the same, hopefully, at least for this episode. We'll think about what we do going forward. Yeah, we'll count, we'll, we'll count what we've played uh, ourselves and then talk about some of the news we've missed over the past three, three and a half weeks and some of the news that's been break, breaking recently. So what have you been playing uh, well, I haven't been playing much here recently. I did uh, run through Truck to Yomi, which was I enjoyed, and I've been messing with Euridian Chronicles here recently. I uh, just haven't gotten very far in it, but just been playing around with it and enjoying it so far. So That's the uh, not the real game, per se. That's like the action platformer game. Yeah, and I've seen uh, people saying that the items that you get on this can carry over to the real game. Okay. I'm not really sure how well that's going to work, but just a little bit I've been playing has been entertaining so far, and it's helped me kill a little bit of time here and there, so I'm happy with it. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I've I haven't been playing anything good, like really recent or good, especially since Elden Ring came out and destroyed my gaming life. Essentially, I finally finished up Deathloop. This has been hanging around for a while, and I I beat Mass Effect Two Legendary Edition. That is how bored I am. I'm playing Mass Effect. Well, if we're going to talk about being bored, I uh, have been messing around with World of Warships and MechWarrior Online again, just trying to, because I've been that bored. And then I Trek to Yomi and Iridian hit, so I start playing those more than anything else. But (laughs) I can't get into the Elden Ring games right now because my work schedule is I get work four overnights of 10 hours. And then three days off. So that four overnight, 10-hour shifts kind of kill any timing or ability skill that I got in the game. And I'm, it feels like I'm starting new from scratch with any type of game like that. Yeah. I think the nice thing about Elden Ring is you can kind of just keep going back to it, or at least I did. But yeah, it is still a commitment because like, you, your skills will, will wear off You know, if you don't play it for a little while. I got. I, I started playing SnowRunner again. That's how bored I got. Last thing I'll mention, I guess, as far as like playing, I picked up two old PS1 games, Rival Schools, and Thousand Arms. PS1 games are expensive nowadays. Those games were over one hundred fifty dollars each. I believe it, and that's part of the reason why I don't collect old games anymore. Yeah, I never played Thousand Arms before. I always like heard it was like. It's pretty well reviewed. It's like a dating sim slash like JRPG. That game is just like baffling to me now. Like I, I, I think I just aged out of it because I'm playing it and I'm like, this battle system makes sense more or less. But like, one of the first things it has you do is it's, it's like weird Simon Says mini game. That's like, oh, you have to go to these four spots in this forge and like do an action. So I did what the guy said and I failed like eight times in a row. The game isn't quick. Like it, it takes a little while to get like the messages speed going. And I finally looked up a video guide on YouTube, and it was like the guy like playing it failed five times. He finally realized like 
You're supposed to go to the area and not do the action. Why is there a button that says action? Like, sometimes it has you do it, but some, most times it doesn't. So you just have to, like, go up to, like, the up area and just wait there for a second or two seconds for it to go, you pass, and then go to the left area or go, like, left and up. And it's like, no wonder everyone failed this probably, like, nine times when they were playing it initially. Holy hell. Yeah, I remember the old games yep. with those kind of, I'm going to use quotation marks, instructions on what to do. Yeah, like, uh, I, I thought I thought a lot of Final Fantasy VII. At the time, I mean, we're around the same age. Like, at the time, playing that was, like, seemed normal. But if yeah. you try to give that to a kid nowadays, like the, like the 1997 Final Fantasy VII, good luck. Like, they're going to figure out, like, half of it. Yeah, even like, revisiting it after years of other games, it just... Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> either bad instructions or no instructions. One of the things that the Thousand Arms literally says is, we hope you read the instruction manual. I mean, I, I at least have it, but hell no, I didn't read it. I'm like, come on. Yeah. It, I mean, it's really amazing to look back and think, this is why video game strategy guides were Existed. necessary yeah. for a lot yeah. of games, because they do. it's not a matter of not being good enough to figure out what to do. It's that steps got left out of the instructions, or steps got left out of just the game in general, and you have it would take forever to figure it out or you just get lucky. Yeah. Or so maybe one of your school friends like stumbled on the answer and like, Oh, you just have to do this. And I'd say, Oh, I wish the game had told me to do this in the first place. Yeah. I remember that was Sonic the Hedgehog three. There's an area in like the casino level that is like, if you get, and it's required to go through it, the game doesn't tell you what to do at all. Like I, I got to the point when I was a kid, I had to call like the Sega helpline and it's like, how do I get past this fucking red barrel? And they're like, Oh, just press up and down. Cool. I wish the game had told me that. Yeah, or Castlevania 2, I think, with the tornado. You have yeah. to go to the certain spot, equip something, and then duck down, and then a tornado comes and takes you somewhere else. Nothing tells you to do that. That's uh, Honestly, that's a lot of Deathloop as well. Like, It's funny, because I see a lot of people like reading guides in Elden Ring, and Elden Ring does kind of need a guide for like certain things, but like, I was way more confused with Deathloop about how to do certain actions or like how to do certain leads. And I'm like, I, this game doesn't really tell you how to do most of this stuff. So Google, here we go. Anyway, onto the news. We're going to go somewhat reverse chronologically because we've missed some stuff in the past two weeks that have been somewhat noteworthy. So we're going to start with the oldest first and then go for the newest will be later on. Uh, so starting with the biggest news pie in the past two weeks is Square is largely ditching their Western studios. They are basically selling their Crystal Dynamics, Idis Montreal, and a few other Square Enix Montreal to Embracer Group for $300 million, selling the studios and the IP, which the IPs are like Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Thief, Legacy of Kane, kind of. Also, the Marvel stuff is probably going as well, assuming the rights Marvel is okays the rights sale, at least for now. They are keeping some of their Western stuff, Life is Strange, and like Just Cause, which is really baffling to me, and Outriders for some strange reason as well. But Square is selling this stuff basically to fund new studios and blockchain nonsense. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts? Uh <laughs> Well, my first thought when I heard this is, is this Square ditching a bunch of Western companies so they can eventually be bought up by Sony? Because I really don't see why they would want to get rid of, 
I can understand selling the studios, but just getting rid of the IPs and for the price just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, you look at what did Microsoft pay for Activision Blizzard? It was over a billion dollars. Oh, yeah. And well over. <laughs> granted, Activision, Activision Blizzard is a big company, but this seems like they were just trying to ditch it as quickly as they could. Yeah. And so some, I feel like something else is going to happen regarding it now. I don't know if that's going to be Square Enix getting bought up by Sony or they're just wanting to get out of the, the not have any a lot of Western studios. But again, just getting rid of the IPs alone, there has to be a reason for it. And no one really anything they said doesn't really make sense. The Microsoft buying Activision one is sixty eight billion. So, and Embracer buying Gearbot last year was like one point three billion. And no offense to Gearbox, they are not worth a billion dollars over Crystal Dynamics and the other studios there. No, and it, it, I mean something else is going to happen. I don't know what. I don't. It might be a year from now when we find out the reason for it. But there was something happening with it. Square always blame like poor sales on like their Western games, like especially like Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, but I mean, anybody that played those games know there were a lot of problems with them. Not, and it wasn't because it was from a Western studio. Yeah, it, I mean, if anything, I would lay, lay a lot of the the uh, misfortune on like marketing or like PR. Yeah, especially for Guardians, which actually is a decent enough game, but like that E three thing was such a disaster for them. <laughs> Well, uh, I'd say it was more Mar- Avengers that really kind of killed Guardians of the Galaxy because yeah. Avengers was so poorly managed and rolled right. out from the initial announcement to the life of the game. Yeah. And, and then you say, and, oh, the same people that did this would now have a Guardians of the Galaxy game that's going to be similar that, to it. Look, that, I, it looked very similar when they first showed it, and it's like, great, another one. Yeah. <laughs> the weird one is they mentioned like Legacy of Cain is it one of the IPs going because Crystal Dynamics owns it, and it's like that's cool, but we're still probably never going to get get another Legacy of Cain game ever again, <laughs> or if we do, think, it'll be an like HD remake. <laughs> I think we might get a. Hey, you could probably see an HD remake testing the market to see if there is a market for the franchise still, or if it's just nostalgia. <laughs> Yeah, the last the last one was uh, the last like official Legacy of Kane game was this game called Nazgoth, like this like multiplayer arena shooter on Steam. That was terrible, and it's like who who okayed this in the first place? Like people like that franchise for like single player story based games, not for vampire versus human people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look at the just the fact that they're getting rid of Tomb Raider. That's still a valuable franchise. Wait, which they just announced a new one like a month ago. Or, you know, we're, hey, we're working on the next one. Yeah. And I mean, the price is just so low. There's, I mean, it, I really feel like it has to be Square Enix just wanting to move away from Western studios and Western style games. Yeah. But the funny thing, like, I don't mind, like, Life is Strange is one thing because that's still pretty critically, like, high. But them saying, oh, we're keeping uh, Just Cause. And it's like, why? Like, did you not play the last one? That was terrible. Yeah, I, like, I don't get it. it believe, believe me, I'd much rather have a, a new Tomb Raider game than a new Just Cause game. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is maybe Just Cause is, I don't know what it's doing in Japan, but maybe it's doing well enough in Japan they want to keep it. 
Yeah. Or they just need uh, more. Square always does this like weird stuff. Like they make these like gambles on games that don't pan out, and then they blame the game. Yeah. And it's like don't make the like the Final Fantasy 15 multiplayer game. Who okayed this? Like it. I mean, it came out and it quickly went away because it was like not great to begin with, and then no one played it in the first place. Yeah, it, it almost seems like, hey, we got to get some type of multiplayer game out for Final Fantasy, so let's rush this out because it's Final Fantasy, it'll work. The same thing as, hey, we'll put Final Fantasy on this CGI movie, and because it says Final Fantasy, it'll be great. We all know how well Spirits Within did. <laughs> yeah. Moving forward a little, Blizzard announced a new Warcraft game with Warcraft Arclight Rumble, which is... I watched the trailer. It is the most clan of clans looking copy thing ever. Do you see it? Yeah, I'm just... It really just feels like... They're throwing like spaghetti spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, it's like, well, this works really well on mobile devices, so let's just throw it out there and maybe we can get a thousand people to play it regularly and spend a bunch of money on it. It reminded me of uh, Heroes of the Storm. Like They're just kind of chasing a trend. Yeah. Of, you know, hey, there's already an existing game genre. You know, maybe we can do better. But they, except for Overwatch, they don't. They, I mean, they used to be like the leaders or, you know, the innovators. Now they're like chasing everyone. Yeah. And I mean, I hate to put, say this, but how long until it comes out on, or they announce a uh, PC port for it, just like Immortal, Diablo Immortal? I'm actually sure it's coming, you know. They'll have to figure out a way to like make people not cheat at the game, but you know that's coming yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's just I've, I like you said. I think it's just chasing the trend and trying to make some quick money from it. I was just gonna say it also makes me wonder: Is Blizzard really hurting for revenue that badly right now? Because they actually are. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I mean, this just screams desperation play just to try to get some funding in for the studio itself. I think I watched some video by uh, a YouTuber named Yang Yi, and he was talking about how, like, Blizzard's revenue went from, like, $2.3 billion to, like, $1.6. And it's like, that's not an insignificant loss. <laughs> like, yeah. that is huge. Yeah, it's just there's so much going on with Blizzard right now. And they don't have... They don't have games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Diablo and, Immortal is not... I don't view that as a big release coming up. No. So God, what's, no. The, what's the next big release going to be? Overwatch uh, 2, Diablo 4? I mean, Yeah, and people aren't happy with Overwatch 2 in the slightest right now. <laughs> well, and we're not talking... We're talking, what, 2023 at the absolute earliest for either oh, yeah. one of those two? Probably later. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I mean, they just don't have the revenue, and... The next I, the next game released for them would probably actually be like the World of Warcraft expansion. And WoW isn't bringing in the money like it used to. I mean, it used yeah, to be the, WoW was their money maker, and everything else was just done. We're going to take some chances on it. It's not going to really matter if it doesn't do well because we've got WoW over here making us money. Now yeah. it's at the point where they need a big hit, and I don't think they're going to get it anytime soon. Right, and even like WoW, like that that's tumbled so far since even like a year or two ago that yeah it, it makes money still i mean it's still like probably one of the top five mmos in the world but people aren't aren't happy with it at all <laughs> yeah and i mean even uh classic wow is losing some of its luster at this point yeah well on the uh activision blizzard train 
There's also Activision said, said uh, Call of Duty Vanguard didn't sell well due to the World War II setting. Didn't sell well for that for the setting and because it didn't a lack of innovation impacted the game. This seems like Activision Blizzard is saying, no, no, no. Call of Duty is still valuable. It's just because we went back to World War II. That's why it didn't do well. Yeah, and my response would be to that to that would be twofold. A, didn't Call of Duty World War II do pretty well? Like, I think it did. I mean, it wasn't like the top, one of the top Call of Duty games, but I know, you know, it made some money. Yeah, but, and uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there some big revelation about Blizzard and Activision that happened last year that might have also hurt sales? Yeah. Just That's an idea. Thing. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think there was a lot of other stuff going around causing the game to underperform other than it was set in World War II. Yeah. They, they did a complete deflection on that. Like, oh, it wasn't that. Like, they didn't even mention that. But, like, oh, it wasn't It wasn't our sexual abuse scandal or, you know, anything like that. It was just World War II is worth hurt the game. And I actually think they're kind of almost partially right in a sense because, like, the story in that game is bad because it's, like, very present-day politically charged, which didn't exist in World War II. There wasn't, like, some, like, rainbow coalition in World War II, like a World War II squad of that. And I know a lot of people didn't like that. Well, I mean, if you're going to make a historical game, try to make it as historically accurate as you can. Or, like, lean into it not being historically accurate. Yeah, I mean, don't do a little... Like, you know, Inglorious Bastards is not historically accurate, but it's fun. (laughs) Yeah, and you don't sit there and think, no, that didn't happen that way as as you're watching the movie. It's, wow, this is so over the top, it's hilarious to watch. Yeah, you either have to go completely over the top, or you have to try to stay fairly accurate, because otherwise it takes people out of the immersion of it. Yeah, it's just like a deflection. And I didn't mention this, but did you see the? Uh, this is going back to Blizzard for a second. Did you see their like weird diversity tool metric thing? No, but I've, <laughs> I'm not even gonna. I don't even want to touch that because it just seems like I'm gonna make a guess. I haven't seen it, but is it just? Oh, look, 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 we fixed our problem. We're good now. Almost, yeah. It's basically like, oh, if you are a, it's, I'm like a, I don't know if it's a weighted scale, but kind of scale, like, oh, you get plus five points for being a woman or plus five points for being handicapped or disabled or, you know, it's like, has other like weird metrics for like a whole yeah. host of different things. And it's like, they, like, it, it came out, and immediately they were slammed about it because of how stupid it was. And they had to, like, come out, rush right out and say, like, oh, we, we're not using this for any develop, developing games. Uh-huh. It's like, sure you're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it, Activision and Blizzard have so many problems right now. It's I, you, They really need this Microsoft sale to go through. And as much as I hate to say it, they're probably going to have to rebrand Activision and Blizzard at this point and just get rid of the names. It'll be like Microsoft LA or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Microsoft I mean, Austin or. They'll, they'll go back to the old Sierra name. Yeah. And uh, I mean, at least that would kind of, most people would know, but it would at least get, re- get rid of that initial. I mean, right now, if you say Activision Blizzard, the first thing that comes to mind isn't WoW or Diablo or Overwatch. It's they're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, one company or one game franchise not in trouble at the moment is Metroid Dread. With it being the best-selling Metroid game in the fran- in the thirty-year franchise, it managed to sell two point nine million copies 
as of March, uh, only within like a year mm. of it being released. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a combination of a good game, a well-selling console, and established franchise. I mean, it hits all the boxes that need to be checked for a established franchise to have a high, a good release. I mean, you think back to Metro Prime, and you think back to the console that it came out on, I'm willing to bet there are, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know the Switch has sold a lot more consoles than the GameCube did. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think actually the Switch is on track to be the number one selling console for Nintendo. And, I mean, when you think about that, if you have one out of every, let's say you have three out of every ten people buying the game, you have so many more people that can buy the game, it really has to sell better or there's going to be a problem. Also, like, I don't know about Nintendo of Japan, but Nintendo of America actually got behind the game and, like, promoted it. Yeah. (laughs) Which helps, because, I mean... It's funny that like Nintendo Japan like Japan Nintendo still doesn't get Metroid at all. And like they're like they like begrudgingly made this game or like authorized this game to be made because they didn't even make it. It was retro studios. Yeah. So, like I mean it, you're gonna have culture issues where some cultures don't understand it. It does better in one area over the others, but if it's doing well, just say, Okay, it's doing well, let's do it and still promote it because you never know what can happen. You know, it's it's like uh oh that like that Kid Icarus game. That yeah. They tried to like come out with, and it's like that. This is a bad game, but someone wanted it. I, I think maybe the Japan side more wanted it than American. And it's like, okay, you got it, but no one cared. <laughs> it, what was it? Kid Icarus was a NES game, and it wasn't even one of the NES games people yeah. think of it was as like, big Nintendo games. But it was like NES and Game Boy, and that was it. And then yeah, like thirty years later, they made a 3DS one. And it. Wasn't it a launch title for the 3DS? No, it came out later, but it had to come out with the Circle Pad, uh, like the not not the Circle Pad. It came out with the like the 3DS stand, okay? Because it was only I think on the new 3DS. That's what it came out on. Just I remember when it released, it, there was a lot of advertising for it. It was you would think it was going to be a big game, and then yeah. I I got it and I played it. and I'm like, well, it wasn't bad. I mean, yeah. Honestly, my. Uh, I never played the original NES game. My only exposure to the character was that awful, awful Saturday morning cartoon. With I got that. As Cap- characters. Cap- Captain, Captain N? E- yeah, Captain yep. N. I actually had that in DVD. Yeah, I mean, that was the big... That was the only thing I had in my mind forever as to the character. Yeah. I knew it wasn't the same thing, obviously, but... I, mean, I-, I would say Captain N is closer to Kid Icarus than that, than the, that game they made. <laughs> uh yeah, I have all of the old, weird, like, cartoons based on video games, like Sonic, for example, or, like, a lot of the Super Mario Brothers crap. Yeah, I remember watching the Super Mario Brother cartoons and just whatever there was on Saturday mornings, because growing up, we'd always have to clean on Saturday mornings, so I'd put whatever I could on as background noise while I had to clean. Well, speaking of cleaning some old copies of games, uh, Gotham Knights is not coming to old consoles anymore. Which means the PS4 and Xbox One versions are being canceled. Yeah, I'm not the, really surprised. Yeah, the game is still expected to come out on October 25th of this year. We'll see if they hit that. Didn't it hit last week that it got delayed again, or am I thinking of other games that? Oh, it might have. Uh, let me check. 
No, that, yeah, still October yeah, 25th. Yeah, it's not coming out this this over. You might be thinking of Suicide Squad. That was one that got can't or delayed like three weeks ago or four weeks ago or whatever. Yeah, I'll, I would be surprised if Gotham Knights comes out this year. It could, yeah. I guess. I mean, it's been a few years since they first showed the footage, and I'm sure they've been working on it. But I mean, who knows? I guess it depends on how much of it's using the various engines from other games versus brand new. I think about uh, Arkham Knight, the last Batman game, because that was like a PS4 and Xbox One like launch title. Yeah. And I was like, imagine if that game had co- had to be forced to come up to Xbox 360 and PS3. That would have been a disaster. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, I know it's still hard to find a PS5, but you can find Xbox Series X and S's pretty easily right now. I, I've actually seen, not in like new, not new, but I've seen a lot of Xbox S's for sure used, and even some Xbox Series X's used. I've seen a lot of S's new. Like I can, uh, if you go out to Walmart, like my local Walmart, the Best Buy near me, I've seen them there. Uh, Amazon, I can Amazon and GameStop. I usually find that they have S's in stock, never the X. But I have a Series X, and I'm happy with it. So yeah. I mean, I was just, yeah, I was at a used store like a few weeks ago, and I they had like I think two Xbox Series Xs for sale, and it's funny because they had one was five hundred, and the other one was like four seventy, and the four seventy one came with the box, and it's like what, <laughs> like your your pricing may be a little off here, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Yeah, that sounds like somebody assigned it the wrong uh, price point or something. This is more of a Sean story, but we'll talk about it for a second. Uh, EA and FIFA have officially split up. Uh, this has been rumored for a little while, but the partnership is over. EA is now making rebranding their games to be the EA Sports uh, EA Sports FC, and FIFA has vowed that they're going to make the only official, authentic sporting like soccer game in the future. I don't know how. Do you care? <laughs> uh, so I'm not a I'm not a big soccer fan. Yeah, I will say I know that. FIFA has been seen as a flagship, not necessarily in the U.S., but around the world. Yeah. There were a lot of – I mean, I I equate it to Madden, basically. There's not a lot of innovation being done. A lot of fixes aren't being done to the game. It's basically a roster update every year. It it has a general level of medium to high quality, but it's diminishing returns. And, yeah, they don't – it's not innovative, per se. Yeah, and I I just – I think it's going to be really hard for FIFA to come out with a rival game. Well, it's like who who can they task with it? It's either Sega, you know, like two well two K, yeah. not Sega. I mean, just two K in general. Uh, you know, Konami. You know, it'll be that awful free to play game. They'll you know they'll actually work on that and make it a FIFA game. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I can think of is maybe they can get Sony to be interested in doing it, since they still do the uh, MLB game. See, so you say that, but I vote, I don't see them, if they did that, I don't see it being multi-platform. Because I don't think like Sony's happy to have the show you know, on an Xbox One or Xbox platform, necessarily. They're yeah. just you know, forced to do it. Uh, I think it's more they're happy with it as long as it makes them money. Yeah. I, it, yeah, I mean, but, they know that most people are not going to – no offense to anybody that's a baseball fan, and I'm a baseball fan, but I'm not going to buy a PlayStation just so I can play the show. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to get people – if you put it out there and you're going to get people to buy it because it's on a console they didn't have and it's something different that they haven't gotten to play in a while, 
why not do it and make some money doing it? I mean, I think their uh, single, their big games or big franchises, they'll still keep exclusive, but I could see them putting out a FIFA game on Xbox and Nintendo if they can get it to work. And I don't think they, I don't think they think about it much as long as it makes some money. If, if Microsoft made a shuffleboard game and only on the Xbox and I have to get an Xbox. Uh, yeah. No, I, I think don't, it's it, going to. I don't think it's going to hurt. I honestly don't think it's going to hurt EA, and I don't think FIFA. I mean, I'm sure well, I think have somebody want to make a FIFA licensed game. I just don't know if it's going to be a good game or not. Uh, I just don't. It won't hurt EA. Like it'll it'll hurt them a little in the short short term, like the first year, like a FIFA game that ever does come out comes out, because they'll go into a store and say, "I want FIFA," and they'll get like the crappy game. I I just don't think FIFA has it to like negotiate a good partnership no and also i mean if you look at ea right now they've got the they got the infrastructure to come out with a ea sports fc series game next year so fifa is not going to be able to get a game out in a year something crazy happens so it's going to hurt ea even less than that because it'll be the only main soccer football game that's out yeah it's like when uh WWE yanked their games from Ukes to give it to 2K. Yeah. And now, you know, Ukes is now they're making the AEW game. The jury's still out on that. Hopefully it's good. But yeah, it took them it took them several years to for them to get the infrastructure up to make that game. I'd be shocked if we have a FIFA game within two years. The only way I see that is if if it's that the, that Konami e football thing. Just like a quick rebrand, but they're not going to do that. Yeah, I, I don't think and that I, would be uh, what they are looking for. Yeah, and that thing is such of like low quality anyway that FIFA itself wouldn't want to do that. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of WADA? Very little. Yes. I, I know what you're referencing. I've heard yeah. about the lawsuit, but that's been the big... Uh, when the lawsuit was first brought was the first I'd really heard of WADA. Yes, Uh a guy named Carl Jobs did some videos, I think last year, talking about some of their more unethical business practices. Uh, and now they have since been sued by some lawyers and other clients. A few things. Uh, the first is, they. I mean, WADA is a grading company for video games. Uh, like, you send them your game in, and they look at, like, the condition of it and give it, like, a numbered grade up to, I think, like, 9.8 or 9.9. Right. Uh, and they are like massively backed up at the moment for grading. So they have a service we can like pay, basically pay to jump ahead on their, in their queue. I guess that jumping ahead has been broken as well. So if you, if you say like, oh, jump me ahead and I'll pay you 40 bucks, like it, it doesn't actually happen. If it does, it still is not within their like a lot of time frame. Yeah. Uh, so that's one issue. I would say egregious issue really is that like, they they are supposed to have rules set in place that like WADA employees cannot sell their own games, graded games, and they do. At least not uh, not all of them, but some have definitely done that. It's been mm-hmm. actually like proven. And also, like they are in league with a auction house company, Heritage Auction. They are the ones funding WADA, and it's like, don't you think there is some collusion happening here one of the things that was brought about last i think last year was i think a sealed copy of super mario 64 sold for a million dollars and it made all these like gaming uh headline 
headline like, for like websites. It was only recently announced that like one of the people who bought that Mars before ran the auction house. And yeah, like, I think like, uh, he, I wouldn't be himself. shocked. <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked if there was some uh, shadiness going on with that. Uh, I mean, well, you get that with a lot of this type of stuff when when you have an auction house funding a grading service, whether they intended to inflate prices or not, it's going to happen eventually. And I mean, I'm not surprised. It's well, I'm also, sorry, there's just I'm sorry, I don't think. Um, Sealed copy of Mario 64 really sold for a million dollars. It also, uh, this has happened before with the same auction house. Like the guy, uh, I forget the guy's name, but like the CEO or the president of, the, of Heritage Auctions got busted in the 80s for manipulating coin prices. And it's like now he's doing the same thing with video games. Yeah, I mean. Do you remember, this is a few years ago. Do you remember the big uh, Nintendo PlayStation? Yes, I do. Yeah, I so that, that the, surfacing and everything. Yeah, the guy who found it, I think it's Terry Diebold or Diebold, or I think that's his last name, but I'm not sure. He thought it would be like worth a million dollars. And I think some, he said like some Saudi prince offered him a million dollars for it. And he said no. And he went with Heritage Auctions and he sold it for like $375,000. And it's like, to me, that's like evidence number one that something shady is going on there. Like, well, I mean, yeah. it could be, it could just be that. I mean, if you take something to, there could just not be a big market for it. If, I mean, if you, and I'm not defending the auction house, but I have something that somebody offers me $50 for, I put it up on eBay and it goes for less than that because there weren't an, a ton of people that wanted to buy it for the price that I thought. I mean, it happens. Oh, sure. But I would but, say like, and, oh, it happens all the time. Like, oh, if you have a DVD that, you know, you think is worth more than it is, but you know, it's not. When you, it's literally one copy of this thing in the world, or that's like known, that, that's that's where it starts getting like shady. Like, well, the thing that's shady to me is if you had somebody offer you that much money, why would the auction house not start the bidding at a lot closer to that price you were offered? Yeah, and like started at five hundred thousand or seven hundred and fifty or something. Yeah, I mean, starting at to where three hundred? What was it? Three hundred and fifty thousand was the winning bid. I think three seventy five, like around there. Yeah, yeah. So it shouldn't have ever gotten that. It shouldn't have ever started that low. Yeah. And that could have been manipulation from them trying to right. drive down the price of it so that somebody could buy it for cheaper. I mean. It, yeah. Also, the the other thing is like there's already a pretty reputable grading system out there called VGA for like grading games. So it's like why. Do we need another one? Or, you know, no one complained about VGA in the first place. Yeah, I mean, ideally, more competition is better. But when you have something like this happening, it's going to affect the whole industry at this point. And, I mean, who knows what's going to end up happening with the games. Stuff that's, I think, like games that are rare because there were not a lot of copies. I think those prices are going to stay the same. But yeah. the prices of sealed games... Oh. I can go out and find a copy of Mario 2. It's just not going to be a sealed copy. I think I, that's the stuff that you're going to start seeing prices fluctuate with this happening. There's someone uh, on my lo local Facebook marketplace, like in my town, trying to sell a sealed copy of Super Star Wars Return of the Jedi for the Super Nintendo. $280. Like, based on, I think, like price charting. Mm -hmm. And it's like, the average for that game is like 180 and they're wanting 280. Good luck. 
Like, yeah. I mean, I really feel like, honestly, I think what will end up happening with this lawsuit is you're going to have businesses declare bankruptcy and no, nobody have to pay anything or the head of the businesses are going to just disappear. And then we'll circle back around and start it up again. Right. That already happened one time with coins and, you know, yeah, coins to video games to whatever new, new fad they're going to get into later on. Well, it's not a fad is uh, the Dead Space remake is coming out next year in January. Do you like Dead Space? <laughs> yeah, like the first two? <laughs> I tried to play them, but I played them on PC and it didn't work well. Yeah, I so I got them during one of GameStop's sales that they used to have where buy five yeah. games under $20 and get some, so many free. Right. I mean, they're good games. I like survival horror. I hope that the game that the remake does well, I'm kind of doubtful because it seems like horror games right now are kind of a limited market. You have people that are really big fans of horror games and then it's hard to get somebody new into it. If the game is not perfect. Yeah. I'm, I mean, look at like alien isolation as an example, great game, well-made, but because it was survival horror there, it didn't, do as well as it could have. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what I'm worried about with this. I, that being said, I'm going to look at picking it up because I enjoyed it and I would enjoy playing the game. But if they throw it out there at $60 and it's a remake, is it an actual remake or are they retelling the story in a different way with new characters? It's a remake. Okay. It's just, you know, completely. I mean, it's basically a new game, but the same story and the same. Yeah. map layouts and everything but so i really hope that they don't put it at 60 dollars because yeah. that's gonna hurt sales well i mean like you know they did it for like resident evil like those remakes like two and three at least were i think two is 60 and like three was like 40 but I mean, again those are really i wouldn't put dead space in the same category as resident evil when it comes to yeah. selling uh, and even then resident evil has started going more a little bit more action than at this point, I mean, not to say it's not horror. I mean, it leans more, they put more action in it than they used to. Yeah, I didn't put this in the doc, but we'll talk about it for a second. Do you have any, do you know about the new Silent Hill, like Silent Hill rumors that like the Konami is going to make some big announcement that they're like remaking two and the several, supposed to be like several new, you know, games in the franchise coming out soon or whatever? Yeah, I saw that and. I mean, I have thoughts on what they're going to do. I think Remaking 2 would get sales because it's a big name, known to be a good game. I think where they talked about some of the smaller games that they're doing, I think we're going to see it's going to be in license with the new PSVR, the PSVR 2, because Resident Evil did fairly well with, uh, I think, 7. Yeah, 7 was a good yeah. one. Yeah, and I played it on the, PS, on the original PSVR. It was great. I think you're going to see Silent Hill doing stuff like that psvr just to try to get because i mean horror games are great on a vr headset because you're in the game and it it works a lot better than playing with a yeah, controller like you can't like sit there looking or, at a yeah. tv screen so right. i think uh some of the smaller games will probably be like silent hill experience for psvr 2 or a six hour game that you put the headset on and play it and everything i don't know if they're really if I don't know. I don't really see them doing a brand new game right now, like a Silent Hill, whatever number. I think it's going to be like side stuff at this point. I, 
See, I I saw some of the stuff, and I'm just like, I don't see any of this because it's still Konami. Well, that's true too. No offense to Silent Hill. I I never really got into Silent Hill. Like, I think I played the first one a little. I just didn't like it because of like fog problem. But like, yeah. if you're gonna if Konami's gonna bank on one franchise, it should be like Castlevania, not Silent Hill. And yeah, they can't even uh, they can't even put out a Castlevania game. So I mean. I- if Sony, but let's say Sony went to them and said, "Hey, you got this nice horror franchise. We got a new VR headset. Let's jointly fund the game to put out for the new VR headset." I could see that making them want to revisit it a little bit. I mean, maybe, but I, I just think that, like, I think Resident Evil Seven worked well because, like, that was still a new game. Well, that was a current game, so yeah. it looked good. Like, if they just tried to like remake. I don't know if they would like remake Silent Hill 2 or like just have like the old ass PS2 version of Silent Hill 2 run in VR. Well, no, I'm saying they'll probably do an HD remake like they're doing with Dead Space and then where they're talking about doing like smaller Silent Hill games. I think those will be the VR games, like a six hour VR game for Silent Hill where you're going around in a house and stuff's jumping out at you or whatever. I think the problem, I think, with, like, Konami is, like, once the guy or whoever evangelizes the franchise leaves, that's it. Like, you know, when Kojima left, that was it from Metal Gear. When the guy who made Suikoden left to make that, you know, the game you're playing or, you know, when Konami fired him, that was it for Suikoden. I mean, I I guess the guy who created Klonoa is still there because they keep pumping those games out football guy is still there. That's a soccer guy, but that's about it. Like, Konami hasn't made a new game in, like, years. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I could... I mean, I could see them revisiting it if... Because if it's a remake, somebody's probably paying them money to do it, and they're just going to get a cut of it for licensing it. And I would say even with, like, you do see a VR experience, they're just going to license it out, and it'll be another studio making it. It's not going to be Konami in-house making it. I think that's how we'll get some of Konami's old franchises to come back with a company paying them to just license out the franchise. Because for Konami, they're getting money even if it's terrible. And if it's good, they'll get more money. And the last real big story is Sony announced today their PS Plus new plans for their tiered service. They announced a bunch of a bunch of smaller things, but the two the biggest thing to me was the classic games catalog with the premium and the next level service so the first that the first one is ps1 and ps2 games and ps4 games and the highest level tier is ps3 so let's go through the 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 second tier first with their playstation 1 games nine of them or 10 ps1 and psp so the ps1 games are their games are Ape Escape, Hot Shots Golf, Intelligent Cube, Jumping Flash, and Siphon Filter. The PSP game is Super Stardust. And the four third-party games are Mr. Driller, Tekken 2, Worms World Party, and Worms Armageddon. This is a worse lineup than the PlayStation Classic. Well, okay, so a couple things... Just to defend Sony a little bit here, it's going to be very hard to get a lot of PS1 games for this because who knows where some of the licenses are. Obviously, the original Resident Evil games like that are still with the original companies, but if you get, we'll use the 
for PS2 games, just as an example, Legacy of Kane. Uh, I think it was PS1, and then they had they continued the franchise on PS2. Square just sold it off to another company. So even right. if they had an agreement with Square, now that's gone. Right. And so I'll defend them a little bit with that. As you get further back, it's probably harder to get the licenses for those games. So uh, th- that's valid, but Sony still made games. Right. That's the <laughs> part that you can't really defend unless they're going to try to say we're going to just cycle games on and off like what Nintendo's trying to do. Right. Like, where's like Two Extreme or, you know, Tomba or Battle Arena Toshinden or, well, I guess that was third party. But I uh, was. There uh, are... Ah, crap. Well, I'm trying to think of some of the other games. Twisted Metal, was that a Sony game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, what about Twisted Metal? <laughs> yeah. I mean... Uh, yeah, it's just... A, it's a, That list is extremely weird just based on... It's not even, like, all their games. Like, why is yeah. Tekken 2 in that list? Like, not Tekken 1 or 3. Or, like, where's Ridge Racer? Like, they can't pay Namco you know, a buck to get that. Yeah. I, <laughs> or like cool borders or destruction derby or legend of dragoon. That'd be a great one. I mean, how they made yeah. that. I, I mean, can understand. Gone. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say, I mean, this is what I feel like this is what Sony is known for when it comes to PlayStation and PS2, PS3, they get the goodwill of their fans. They think their fans will, will buy up whatever they put out because it's Sony and that seems to be what happens in Japan for the most part but then outside of Japan people are not just going to get something because it's Sony they want yeah. they want substance to it and now granted this is just the classic games I know there's going to be more stuff but at this point if this is what they were trying to sell me on I would not be paying money for this the PS2 uh, remasters, this is that list. Uh, so this is PS2, uh, PS4 games that they remastered from PS2 games. Uh, so that list is Ape Escape 2, uh, Art the Lad, Twilight of the Spirits, uh, Dark Cloud 1 and 2, Fantavision, everyone's favorite, uh, Hot Shots Tennis, Jack 2, Jack and Daxter 1, Jack 3, Jack X, uh, Rogue Galaxy, Siren, and Wild Arms 3 for like Sony made games. And the third party games are, uh, I guess these would be newer technically because these are, I think, like PS4 games specifically. Yeah, yeah these are like third party games for PS4 games. Uh, Baja Edge of Control HD, I never heard of that. Uh, Bioshock Remastered, Borderlands, The Handsome Collection. Bulletstorm, Full Clip Edition, Kingdom of Amalore Reckoning, and Lego Harry Potter. I mean, there are some there are some good games on the list. Yo, where is Sly Cooper? (laughs) Well, but I mean, again, it's nothing that sells me. Oh, I got to get a monthly subscription to play these games. How dare you? Fantavision is on that list, man. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's like. The Jack games are cool. I'm not going to shit on those at all, but, like, where's Ratchet and Clank? <laughs> like, yeah. Uncharted. Yeah. Well. Uh, that might be, like, 
I, I that might be separate. Like, I can see those two specifically because like they didn't do like HD remasters. I think they did the like Jack though, but no, they did. You had the yeah. Uncharted collection, which was everything was remastered. Right. Uh, that might be like part of their like tier one list though. But yeah. yeah, it's just like the most like baffling. You know, that's all right, I guess. But like, yeah, nothing that that, that list like screams out at me. I mean, for a third-party partner, Bioshock Remastered, that's not bad. I mean, good yeah. games. Borderlands, the Hanson Collection, some good games. Kingdoms, Kingdoms of Amular. It wasn't a bad game. It was good. The story was really good. It yeah. definitely shows its age. And then Lego Harry Potter. Well, it's I mean, like, <laughs> except for uh, Lego Harry Potter, every one of their third-party games is from Embracer. Like, why not? But why not call up Capcom and go, "Hey, can you get some old Street Fighter games?" Or call up Namco or Konami. I mean, any you know anyone like yeah. Square. I mean, where is the PS2 version of the Bouncer? Come on. I mean, uh, I feel like they have to be announcing more than what's on this list. Well, they they have said that like, oh, we'll be cycling game, you know, games in monthly or. You know, that old platitude that Nintendo keeps trying to never do. <laughs> I mean, I I don't understand why, if I was Sony, I'd be going to like Square and I'd be saying, hey, let's get the Final Fantasy games on this. We're going to yeah. pay you money to put Final Fantasy on here. We want to be the home for Final Fantasy on subscription services. Yeah. And I'm sure Square like would love doing that. Especially since it's all like game, you know, Final Fantasy X or, you know, right. those old versions of Final Fantasy IX or, you know, th those didn't run in an Xbox, at least like natively. Like, right. it wouldn't I mean, be hard they could to do. do it. Yeah. But, the, I mean, uh, yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead and finish it. And then I'll, because I, I can still make my point after you finish it. <laughs> well, I was going to say, well, the PS3 list is a little better, but still, uh, Odd. <laughs> yeah, this is their highest tier uh, list. So the games that will be emulating from a P, you know, it won't be native run on a PS5. It'll be streamed to your PS5. These PS3 games, uh, Crash Commando, Demon Souls, the first one, like the original one, Echo Chrome, two Hot Shots golf games, uh, Ico, Infamous One, Two, and Festival of Blood. That was like their spent like the DLC spinoff game. Uh Loco Roco uh, I'm not gonna pronounce that word. Co <laughs> Coco Riccio. Let's say that. That's how I uh, pronounce it. Yeah, Motorstorm Apocalypse and RC. Uh Puppeteer Rain. These are where some of the later Ratchet and Clank games are. Ratchet and Clank, Quest for Booty, A Cracking Time and Into the Nexus. Resistance three. Uh Super Stardust HD Tokyo Jungle and When Vikings Attack. These are the, like the PlayStation games, or the Sony made games. And the third party games are Asura's Wrath, Castlevania, Lord of Shadow 2, Devil May Cry HD Collection, Enslaved Odyssey to the West, Fear 1, Lost Planet 2, Ninja Gaiden Sigma 2, and Red Dead Redemption Undead Nightmare. Yeah, I, I have not been impressed at this point with Sony's. Subscription game offering. The the only game that actually jumps out at me on that in that entire list is Tokyo Jungle, because that is a 
I love that game. It is an extremely weird game. Uh, and it does have its fans, but it's an odd inclusion, to say the least. <laughs> but And that's the highest tier subscription. So isn't that the $20 a month so yeah, yep. subscription? So is it worth $20 a month to play it? No. I mean, especially it, since I have a, I have a disc copy of it anyway. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I mean, I'd be so like looking at this list, I'd want to play Infamous. Yeah, I haven't gotten like I never really got a chance to play the inf- the original Infamous games beyond a little bit here or there. Right. I enjoy Actually, playing same, that. Same way. Yeah, but I'm not going to pay twenty dollars a month to be able to play it. Well, also, it's streaming. Yeah. So. It, I mean, not unless you have a great internet service, it's probably not going to be like the most ideal way to play a lot of these games. Yeah, that's that's uh, why I, I like that. There's not a ton of racing games except for like the MotorStorm games on here because they probably can't do it well. Yeah, <laughs> if, the, if the, like this would interest me a lot more if I get, if these games were just like run natively. Well, like Devil May Cry HD Collection. I, yeah, if that's being streamed, that's going to be interesting to see how well the streaming works on it. Yeah. And then also, uh, the other thing that was talked about was if you bought PS1 or PSP Classics on the PS3 store, you should be able to play those titles on a PS4 or PS5. But it's not every game. It's only what they have deemed will come forward. (laughs) Like, I I was like, oh, cool, I can play Suikoden 2 on a PS5. No, wait, I can't, because it's not on this list. <laughs> yeah. I, unless it, unless they're just like, screw it, and every any game that you did buy, you can play. Like, that'd be great. I'd actually, I might pay for that if I had to. But, yeah, it's a, it's such a bizarre, like, fo- bizarrely, like, really focused list on stuff that people don't necessarily, like, clamoring for. Yeah. I think, uh, oh, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, unless they're going to be announcing more games as it gets closer. Yeah. I just, I don't see how this is going to, I mean, I don't see how this is going to compete with Game Pass. I know they say they're not trying to, but really, that's what it's going to be compared to. And it's going to have to, somebody's going to have to be able to look at it and say, this makes it worth not having to get Game Pass for a month. And at this point, I don't think it does. Well, the the two things I'll point out: there is one PSP game on that list, Super Stardust Portable. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, that's a fine enough game. Where's Crisis Core? You know, or I feel like, like Sony wants to pretend that the PSP and the Vita don't exist and never existed. I think the, I think the Vita for sure. The PSP is, is kind of still. I mean, they have one game on there, but. Uh, well, like the Vita, remember when they were so into the Vita that you could play your PS4 games yep. on your Vita? Yeah. And they just, it, you still can. I did that but, once, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've moved away from anything with any type of handheld because, it. I mean, they weren't, I would say their handhelds overall were not successful. No, well, be, both of them had dumb... Uh, I wouldn't say requirements, but had dumb parts to it. Like yeah. The PSP, the UMD was pretty stupid. Uh, but, like, the Vita itself, like, the problem with the Vita was uh, the memory cards were terrible. Yeah, proprietary and, memory cards on yeah. both of them. Well, at least, like, the PSP one, 
you know, it was just a, was a, the standard like Sony memory stick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like nothing else used the, the Vita memory card at all. And then no. they didn't get behind the Vita. Like they made like a crappy Uncharted game for it, and that was about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything that people liked about the Vita was like either Persona Four Golden or like the you know the weird uh, indie games that came out for it, which were all pretty good. But Sony wasn't doing that stuff at all. No, I. Uh, I mean, I really think Sony thought. I don't know what they thought with the Vita, <laughs> but I, I think they thought like, oh, we have the best. Like, it is the best technology handheld in the market, so people just flock to it. And it's like, yeah, it is the best. You know, technical handheld on the market. But you have to make games for it, and you miss that part yeah. of the equation. <laughs> well, and I thought they thought. I I really think they believed more people would be using the Vita as a second as a screen to be playing PS4 when other people are using the TV. Yeah. All that transferring nonsense. It's like, oh my my God. Yeah. I, I don't know if you follow him on uh, Twitter, but uh, Jeff Grossman, the, the guy, one of the guys I really like, he put he said uh, he, he, about the list, he said, this list of classic PlayStation games uh, reads like they were chosen by a company that really thinks you hate old games and won't want to bother playing them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Hey, I, I like a lot of the games actually on that list, but like Intelligent Cube, Jumping Flash. Yeah, no? there's... <laughs> Sony has had more successful first-party games on the original PlayStation that they could have selected. And they're Sony games, but yeah. they're they're not... They're either not putting them on there or they're not advertising that they're on there. The only game that... The only Sony game I can really see not being on that list is Gran Turismo. And that's because of like license, like car licenses or music, like le- music licensing. Right. So that's that's valid at least. But like Legend of Dragoon, right. come on. I mean, and if they put that on there, people would get it just to play it. Yeah. But I mean, it really feels more like I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, the original PlayStation was a, a thing that it had a lot of action games, but the thing that kind of made it stand out were all the JRPGs on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but a lot of those weren't Sony made. I mean, a Square or Capcom or whoever. But yeah, a lot. The, the, I would say the pl- first PS One was like the the first big like RPG console. And honestly, I, I would be shocked if they, Sony couldn't go to some of those c- companies and say, "Hey, how about we put the original game on our streaming service?" Yeah, it's just sitting there. It's not making you any money. We'll put it on the streaming service. You'll get some money from it. Everybody's happy. Yeah. I don't see why it's not happening. <laughs> I mean, I could see, like, I I could honestly see Square saying, like, no, we don't want to put... Because, I mean, they already put out, like, HG uh, ports of, like, Final Fantasy VI or seven, eight, nine. But, like, they got older games. Like, right. you know, or, the like, origi- games... What about the original Final Fantasy games? The first, let's say, the first five. I mean, I mean, they're I think, releasing them on the Android phones, so why not just put them on the PlayStation streaming service too? Because I think like that technically is like the anthology. They they have because those weren't like old. Those weren't like original PS one games. I mean, those are like NES and you know, well, yeah, Nintendo. But, but like you know, Vagrant Story, Parasite yeah. Eve, Braver Fencer Musashi, like Threads of Fate. Like, come on. You're not going to do shit with those franchises, and it would show. It would help 
those companies gauge interest, like, oh, people really like to play Vagrant Story. Maybe we should make another one. Or maybe we should update it. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I look at this and I think there has to be more that they're going to release as it, when it hits, or this can't be a comprehensive list. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's I bizarre, but I, I hope, well, the guy who currently runs Sony right now, doesn't, let's just say has a few screws loose, but you have to imagine someone higher up than him has going, is going, uh, let's give the people what they actually want. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's it, I think, for this news segment or news uh, cycle. Uh, yep. Anything, any other things on your mind before we head on off? Uh, let me see. We have anything else that was mentioned that we could uh, talk about? Talk about the Silent Hill. Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, so now this could be, uh, this is something that I think it came out today or in the last couple days. Ubisoft yep. streaming is going to be on the PlayStation. Yeah, Ubisoft thing. Plus. Yeah, yeah, I saw that, but it's like, all right, I guess. But I don't know. Do you know if anyone actually uses that that one? I don't. But at least it's going to, given the list that we just looked at, at least it's going to add titles to it. Yeah. I mean, I just think there was like a period like five years ago when like EA Activision and Ubisoft were like, Oh, we're launching our own gaming services and all of them failed. <laughs> yeah. Cause EA had, I mean, EA still has like EA insider. Uh, yeah. but I, I don't know if anyone uses that. Call of Duty had Call of Duty premium that like only like worked for two games and then they got rid of it. And Ubisoft has Ubisoft plus, but also, Ubisoft games are cheap. Yeah, and they get they get cheap very quickly. Like I don't well, know when anyone. Put, when you put a new copy, uh, the next edition of your franchise out every year, yeah, they drop the prices to move them. And <laughs> right, so yeah, I don't know who I don't know anyone who would go like, oh, I need the whole Ubisoft Ubisoft library when it's like, or you could just buy the game separately. You know, just go from there because it'd be cheaper yeah. in the long run. I think. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm trying to think what games I'd want to play what games Ubisoft has put out that I'd really want to go back and revisit. The crew maybe, too. I was going to say maybe the, like the assassin, all the assassin's creed two stories, but yeah, I mean, most of those are okay. Like I, I'm, I'm the biggest assassin's creed fan and even I don't like some of the games in that franchise. So, yeah, I mean, it's something that wouldn't be bad to revisit like the, especially all the, the <laughs> all the different games that came out for assassin between, two and three, but yeah, I mean that, I don't know if I would sit there. What was that? Four games? Uh, three franchised one or three of the uh, main ones. And then I yeah, I know. Two, a, so like two, they continued the, the NZO it's, story It's two brotherhood and then revelations. And then they did three after that. Okay. I thought there was one more in between uh, two and three. I, th- but, I think they might have done a mobile, or they did like a Vita game, or some type of mo- like PSP one, maybe. Or I don't yeah. know. That that franchise is so sprawling at this point that yeah, it's. I mean, that might be something that would be worth revisiting, but I'm I'm really drawing a blank on it. Yeah, I mean, you look at since Microsoft bought Bethesda, Game Pass has a lot of Bethesda's past games. I still haven't tried replaying Oblivion or Morrowind. 
even though it's great to see them there, I haven't tried to replay them anytime recently. Yeah. I, I think people like having a, at least like the secu- the uh, safety blanket of like, hey, I can always play Marwin if I want to. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, mean, I would actually rather play Marwin than Skyrim, but that's just me. I mean, I'm, and I, I have a lot more like nostalgia for Marwin than their latest stuff. Yeah, well, Marwin is more. The graphics aren't great, but the game feels like it, it was more in depth. Whereas Skyrim, yeah. you have the graphics, but you don't have the in depth. I mean, you look at some of the storyline choices or the conversation yeah. choices. Yeah, uh, I I also think like Marwin is like a lot more experimental or like a lot more freeform than Skyrim. Yeah, but that's me. <laughs> oh well, as Marwin, head north. And look for a cave somewhere to the north of town. Whereas Skyrim, they put the, they give you exactly where to go to complete a, tw- a quest. Yeah, I mean stuff like that. But uh, I guess I think, one last thing, huh? Yeah, I, th- I was saying I think that's the only last big thing that hit that really uh, I could think of off the top of my head that was worth talking about. This is more, I guess, this is more tangentially related to games because more uh, TV focused, but. Uh, did you ever watch Black Mirror? I have seen occasional episodes. I've never watched the full thing, but I did see where they're coming back to Netflix. But yeah. I, I will say, since we're talking about TV, and I'm going all the way back to the beginning of this podcast, David Tennant returning to Doctor Who. Yep. Where Where's uh, Christopher Eccleston? <laughs> uh, well, he's been doing some... Uh, he does audio, audio dramas. Yeah. yeah. And he's basically said if they'll pay him, he'll come back. So I think there was an interview where somebody asked him a question about it, and he basically said, if they'll pay me, I'll come back. <laughs> now, That's an honest answer, at least. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we haven't heard anything about Matt Smith or Capaldi or Eccleston well, at this point, I, but we are I, getting I, Doctor and I'm, Donna. I don't think we talked about it, but what do you think? What have you thought of this, like the Jody Whitaker run of Doctor Who? Uh, that that describes it right there. <laughs> yeah, it. I I really wanted to like it. I really did. I was just disappointed with the initial episodes when they first brought her in, and I See, tried it again when they brought back Captain Jack. It just my my problem. I, I would say my problem with her run, even still now, is she never seemed like Whitaker herself. Never seemed to have like, a great grasp on the character. Yeah, at least initially, and I would say the same thing about Capaldi. Actually, like when his first like yeah. first half season, he was very unlikable in that role because he was kind of like a gruff asshole. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the next season, they like really ironed his character out and they made him like a lot more likable and you know human. This yeah. one, I can writing... still go back and watch the Capaldi. Uh, uh, what was it? The uh, the episode with Capaldi and. Or Capaldi's Doctor and River Song. I could go yeah. back and watch that all the time because it's funny. It's them yeah. having fun. But it feels uh, like the fun was missing from most of Whitaker's run. Right. And then also the writing never backed her up. Like she seemed yes. she seemed like steady in the role. And that's like I would say that's like twenty percent her fault, but the other eighty percent is the writing like didn't help her at all. So she never quite got a grasp on the character. Well, the showrunner flat out said at the very beginning he didn't want people that wrote sci-fi. He wanted people that just wrote soap operas or wrote yeah. other stuff. And it, it shows. <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't good. And 
instead of maybe making some changes here or there, he kind of, other than bringing back Captain Jack, he dug in harder. Yeah. <laughs> and um, when you piss off your, your regular fans, unless it's the greatest thing in the world, uh, it doesn't matter who's praising it. Those people aren't going to keep watching it. <laughs> I mean, the one, the one actual bright spot is, uh, Oh, I forget the actor's name. Oh, the master. Okay. Yeah, Sasha Dewan. Yeah, he's like, he's not written that well, but like the actor is great, and you can see him having like a lot of fun in the role. And that's what's, and it's so evident because nobody else looks like they're having fun whenever he's on screen. Everybody yeah. looks all dour and sad, and then you have this the master who you're not supposed to cheer for, and you yeah, want to see him. You want to see more of him because he's having so much fun. Yeah, well, that's why they're bringing him back for for the finale so yeah leave someone i'll leave a little on a high note uh did you see i mean i don't know it doesn't sound like you watched a lot of the run did you see how they utterly destroyed the history of the show yes i did and yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was that was impressive <laughs> yeah hey we've got this show that's been running for 60 years let's just completely destroy it <laughs> it's not they they did a they did a better job of that than even Star Trek has with Discovery and their current crop of shows. So hats yeah, off. at least at least Discovery kind of reset the original timeline when they and then they moved to the future. Uh, yeah. This yeah I can't props well, for swinging for the fences and trying to do something um, something different, but it did not work at all. Right. It it seems like a show. That like he didn't watch any of the prior shows except for like his episodes, maybe. Yeah, and I mean, it really felt like they didn't. It felt like the showrunner didn't care about the average Doctor Who fan. No, they just took them for granted and said, "Oh, well, they're always going to be there, so I'm going to do what I want." And who cares about these other people because they're always going to be there? But they're not. If yeah, even Star, like if Star Trek and Star Wars have shown us nothing, it's that fans, longtime fans, have no problem walking away if the new stuff pisses them off. And I'm not saying they don't agree with what somebody's doing. I'm saying when they actively try to piss off the established fans, yeah, people will walk away. I mean, I I had to give up Discovery just because it was so awful. Mm -hmm. I act I actively hate watch Star Trek Picard. Because it is so awful. Yes, Picard I, is another one where the only I, I, episode I enjoyed of Picard, like truly enjoyed, was when he had the interaction with Riker and Troy. Yeah, the, the because, fan service episode. <laughs> because he seemed more like Picard and not Patrick Stewart playing not, Patrick Stewart, around. just yeah. giving the name Picard. I mean, yeah. And it kind of, I'm kind of, I'm still gonna watch. Like I was happy with the first episode of this second season. I thought, okay, seems interesting. Not crazy about going back in time, but seems interesting so far. Let's see how it goes. And then it's just gone downhill from there. The the bummer about this season of Picard is it was I don't know if it was like it was like helped uh, like executive executive produced by Terry Metalis, mm -hmm. and he did Twelve Monkeys, the TV show. Which is actually like shockingly good. So like when they first announced he was on Picard, I'm like, oh, this might this might be good. And then I was like, nope, it's not. I feel like Patrick Stewart just. I feel like he wants to play himself playing Picard and not 
B Picard that he played for years during the show. Yeah. And that's where the Patrick Stewart playing himself does not play Picard well. When he plays the character, he embodies the character that everybody has seen and does a good job. But when he when he just is, I mean, it really feels like he's not even really acting so much. He's just playing himself well, and cashing the paycheck. There were like at least two episodes of this season of Picard where he's just like lying down in like a coma for like yeah. the episode. Yeah, it's like I, I get it. He's old and he's tired. I mean, he's like eighty one. He just wants a rest. <laughs> And I'm coming, and I'm still. I'm curious about what season three is going to be because they're bringing back almost everybody from next from the original run of Next Generation. Where is Denise Crosby? <laughs> yeah, well, we also don't have Wesley Crusher in this next one either, so far. So yeah, he he already popped in Picard though. So yeah, I, yeah. I assume I think he'll be back though. That's the unfortunate thing. Uh, I, I don't mind him in small doses. Yeah, except his Picard thing was like terrible. Cause... Well, yeah, I can't blame him for that because we've already seen how bad the writing has been for Picard. Yeah, I think Strange I, New Worlds first two episodes have been good. So that's been good, and I don't know if you watched it. I actually really liked Prodigy. I have watched the first like four episodes. I haven't watched the rest of them. I need to. Uh, uh, the only I, problem... what I was watching, I enjoyed. And I'm good with it because my I got my daughter who is yeah. who and she watched it and enjoyed it. So yeah. the fact that she enjoyed it, she's a little bit younger than the target audience, but the fact that she enjoyed it and wanted to keep watching it was good. I mean, that means that it's doing what it's supposed to do. I've never I have yet to meet somebody in person that has come out to me and said I never liked Star Trek, but I really like Picard. If you meet that person, hit them in the head until they regain their sense. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, just uh, the only problem with Prodigy is I think the main character is kind of a jackass, for at least initially. Yeah, but like he actually has character growth and development, which is something that is missing from Discovery still. <laughs> so, like over the yeah. over like Prodigy's ten or thirteen episodes, he actually grows as a character and becomes like a good person. <laughs> so. Well, in Lower Decks, it's the same way. I I really hated Lower Decks. The like the first two episodes I saw. I so you have the first few episodes are not representative of how good the show gets. Like the first episodes establish the characters, but the characters change and grow over time. And by the end of this this last season, it was a really good Star Trek. My my I guess my problem with Lower Decks, honestly, was the main character. Uh, Mariner, mm-hmm. and I, I couldn't figure out why she was on the show or why she was on the ship. Yeah, because it's like she clearly doesn't want to be there. Uh, like you know, her mom is basically forcing her to be there, and it's like, isn't she an adult? Like, why didn't she just fucking leave? Well, or, you know, <laughs> and and you know what? They actually address that in this last season. Okay, and they do it in a way that the show is entertaining, and what they're doing makes sense. I mean. It didn't have a great start, but it got better. <laughs> and the characters evolved and changed and grew, and it wasn't, they didn't reset at each episode. That That is actually one really great episode of Prodigy. There's an episode where uh, the main character's in a holodeck, and he's basically trying to do the Kobayashi Maru test. <laughs> and his crew is like made up of old Star Trek characters. So it's like 
Dr. Crusher, Odo, Spock, and like one or two others. And they just like used like re- like old voice lines, and it's awesome. And see, that shows, and Lower Decks does it too. It's showing that the people actually enjoyed Star Trek in the past, and they're putting nods to it in there. Yeah. You get, you got almost nothing of that from Discovery, and you really don't get any of that from Picard. Or if if it is in Picard or Discovery, it's like very Brief. not great, or yeah. you know, just like obvious or just terrible. Yeah, and it's like, oh god. But yeah, I mean, it's it's early on, but Strange New World is pretty all right. I'm really excited for the Orville coming back, though. Yes, I don't. I'm 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 just depressed it's canceled already, but. Uh, well, I'm hoping that they find a way to continue it with like a movie or yeah. mini series or something small, and they can keep it going. Because I think I could be wrong, but doesn't uh, and I'm blanking on his name now, and I don't know McFarlane. why. Yes, doesn't McFarlane own the right, the overall rights to the Orville? He probably does, or you know, maybe. I mean, believe me, he's rich. He could fund it himself if he yeah. really wanted to. <laughs> right, and I wonder if he could go to Disney and say, hey, let's do a let's do a straight to Hulu special of like two or three episodes just to keep the property around and then relaunch it later. Yeah. Because the only reason it got canceled was because COVID hit, uh, the season got delayed, the filming got delayed, and then the contracts were up in the middle of yeah. COVID and Disney, right when they were up, Disney and Fox cell was going through and nobody knew what was happening. So right. the actors signed on to other stuff. If right. I was Disney, I'd try to keep it around just because why not? It's not hurting anything. It's cheaper than Star Wars and Marvel TV shows. Oh, yeah. And you've got enough of an audience there that is wanting that type of show that makes that would make it worthwhile. Plus, I, I actually just like the show because it's like optimistic. Yeah. Like I mean it, it feels like it feels like Star Trek. Yeah, like Strange New Worlds is kind of there, but like I haven't felt like yeah, Discovery is like such a downer, and so is Picard. It's like, what? Why would you want to live in this world at all? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Strange New World has enough optimism in it. I'm enjoy, I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be a hundred percent optimistic. But I, I'll use Picard as an example. The Federation is basically evil and insular and xenophobic during the first season of Picard. Yeah. Why would you want to be there? <laughs> I mean, right. why would you want to live in the Federation? Well, also, uh, oh, what is it? Like, Strange New Worlds, I at least know everyone's name on the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I-, I got through three seasons of Discovery, and I'm, I still don't, like, so many people don't even have, like, full names. Well, like, so what was it? In two episodes of Strange New Worlds, we've got more character development of the secondary characters on the bridge than we did in two seasons of Discovery. Because remember in the second season, the one cyborg yeah, robot lady who they dedicated an entire episode to, who had and done nothing. Like, she didn't even have a name. Or no. like, if, if she did, it was like only on the Wikipedia. Like they'd, they'd had like, she barely ever talked in the show up to that point. And it's like, yeah, they had this whole episode devoted to her death. And it's like, who cares? Yeah. Like, it's, yeah. Really? Okay. Like, and you go back to Next Generation when, it, just as an example, you had the episode where the ensigns were working for a promotion. And even though yeah. they had not been there, 
in other episodes, it had more of an impact than yeah this last each, one did. Each ensign or each person, yeah, the, the lower decks episode had yeah. an actual character, had a name, had a role, and yeah, you spent a lot of time with them in that episode. Like Discovery was like, oh, we're gonna kill this character off, and everyone's like gonna make a big deal out of it, but it's not because you don't you never spent time with the character except for like the brief shots she was ever in. Yeah. It so just, it like, made no sense. Yeah. And I, I, the one thing I also hate about discovery, there is no like command structure in that ship. If <laughs> it <There> really isn't <laughs> like they have people that like, okay. Like Hugh is the doctor is like a doctor, but he's not the doctor of the whole ship or like Stamets is like the, like the spore drive engineer. Yeah. But he's not the chief engineer. Like that's someone else that's just not on the show or like not ever there, or like I guess like uh, what's her name? Jet Reno is supposed to be that, but yeah, she's it, only there for like three episodes out of out of ten or twelve. So she's yeah, not. it's just <laughs> it, it it yeah. The show is very and it that that show is also great because it's gone through like five different captains in like three seasons at least. Yeah, and it's like wow, or like. When a character died, like when TNG killed off Tasha Yar, that was like a big thing. Mm-hmm. But like Discovery burns through characters like constantly, and no one cares. And they don't really get replaced. The replacements, I'm sure they're replacements. But what's well, the name of the person that replaces Cyborg on the bridge in here, Discovery? Here's the, here's the funny part about her. So the Cyborg lady in the first first season was played by a different actress. In season two, they replaced that actress with a different one. So when they killed her off in season two, the season one lady became the replacement without all the makeup and shit on. So she's just like a human woman, oh, like a blonde Lord. lady. <laughs> and she has, a, she has like a last name and that's it. Like she didn't have like a first name. And it's like, wow. I mean, that's how bad it truly is. And here, the thing is, is every Star Trek show has had basically like glorified red shirts. Yeah. But, like, they still had, like, a, some type of personality. Or, like, you know, like, like Miles O'Brien. Like, he was barely a character in TNG. Yeah. But he still was, like, in a few episodes and made an impact enough to be on DS9. Or look at DS9. That show had, like, dozens of essentially side characters that are all memorable. Discovery has barely, like, two main cast members that are, like, memorable. And one and, of them's crying all the time. And the other one is... Not even the only on the show alien. anymore. Because I'd say yeah, Jason, the, the captain yeah, that was from the Mirror Universe is probably the most, or the two from the Mirror Universe are the two most well-known characters and neither of them are even on the show anymore. Speaking of what one last Discovery thing, do you, you know how they announced that Section 31 nonsense spinoff? That's never going to happen. No. I don't think so. Especially not with like Michelle Yeoh uh, being popular again. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it will. And she said she liked Star Trek, but I was like, then why were you in Discovery? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, really? <laughs> but enough of the uh, nerd rambling for 20 minutes. <laughs> but hey, Nothing wrong with nerd rambling. Uh, David Tennant's coming back is cool. Uh, yeah. I don't know if they'll get anyone else. It'd be nice. But I'd just be happy with him, honestly. Like, he was good. Yeah, he's fun. I think uh, I would enjoy seeing David Tennant, Matt Smith, and Capaldi all together interacting. I think that would be funny. But unfortunately, they can't get John Hurt. Yeah, that that is sad because he was really good in the episode you know, that he was in. Or you know movie or... do, yeah, you know who I actually really do like is Paul McGann. 
I want him to come back. Yeah, I mean, there's no telling what they're going to do. You know, they're not going to have uh, Jodie Whittaker back, though. I I would not be surprised if she did show back up, just because she'll, from everything I've seen, her and David Tennant are friends. She'll show up at a cameo. Oh, yeah, because they work together on, I think, Broadchurch. But yeah, yeah, a cameo or something. But yeah, I don't see them. But, I mean, part. <laughs> you never know. She could come back and with better writing, people could like her, her doctor more could rescue you know what? the character. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave the show, the, this podcast with this. This is my actual dream scenario is th- like the uh, anniversary episode happens and you see Peter Capaldi wake up from like bed. Like he's like just in like a bed and he wakes up, goes to the bathroom and the shower's running or not, not even Capaldi. Sorry. It's a, uh, Pearl Mackey like wakes up in a bed and she opens the bathroom door and it's Peter Capaldi taking a shower and she goes like, Oh, I just had the weirdest dream. <laughs> like <laughs> you were a woman and the show was terrible and your adventures were all terrible. And then he like, he steps out of the shower and like slips and falls and passes away. And then he re- regenerates into the, the new guy. <laughs> oh, give it the Dallas treatment. <laughs> yes. That, that, that's the ultimate dream. <laughs> Dallas, Dr. Who let's, let's do it. And you know what? If they actually did that, I would laugh. Yeah, it it would be such a great move. But that is it for this episode, whatever number it is. Uh, we'll be back hopefully next week. I don't know what you, you said. Your schedule is actually pretty regular. Yeah, it's uh, regular now, which is nice because Sean's never was. Mine uh, hasn't been until the past probably three four months. Yeah, so we'll hopefully be back next week, and we can go from there. Uh, have a good night, everyone. Later. <laughs>